Hello, everyone. Welcome to the third episode of the Carlton Rap Podcast. Today, I'm joined by special guest Ari Samatokos. Welcome, Ari. Glad to have you on the show. Just want you to give us a bit of an introduction about yourself and what you're doing at the moment. Thank you very much for having me, first of all. But um, yeah, so I'm just kind of getting myself into the sports media sphere at the moment, similar to yourself. Um, obviously, Blue Abroad's helped a lot with that, but then I've ventured off into the into the round ball game as well, um, riding for, for Stats Insider. And now the Inner Sanctum as well, which is good, good fun. I'm enjoying it. So yeah, hopefully just trying to pursue that as as best as possible. In terms of your experience with the club, obviously pretty similar in age. Just tell me about your sort of growing up with the club, how you, you know, got in love with it, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Well I think as as most people, it's it's your father or your family even who um <laughs> who dictate who you support. So I had no choice. My dad big Carlton supporter growing up. Um, so uh, yeah, had no, me and my brother had no choice. So it was ingrained in at a young age to to go for the Blues. So thanks, Dad. Um, <laughs> but yeah, probably my first like early memories probably. I was born. I'm, I'm born in '04, so I, I don't really remember that '056 period where we were really bad. Um, and then like we started getting Murphy and, and Gibbs and Cruz in the draft. But um, probably first memories 2009 elimination final against Brisbane. Yeah. That heartbreak. That's I think yeah. it's it set the trend for the years to come. I reckon that that game. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I don't remember that one, but I remember the the twenty ten one a yeah. bit more. Funnily I enough, said, I said, funnily enough, enough, I don't actually remember that uh, that much. Yeah, it was a, it was a weird game back at Homebush back in the uh, day. Uh, favorite player in your time? Probably well, early on it was Judd because you can't yeah. you can't go past it. Um, just when like. It was Judd and, and Betts, but I'll speak on Judd briefly. As a kid, you don't really understand the game. You just kind of understand the players and, like, the aura yeah. that they bring. And whenever Judd got the ball, something was going to happen. Um, and similar with Betts. Like, someone yeah. as, like, I'm, I'm not that big in stature, especially as a kid. I was always very small. So seeing Betts, this little forward pocket, small forward running around, kicking goals and dominating games. It gave me a bit of hope. I don't know what for, but it gave me some some form of inspiration. And, um, yeah, I really found an attachment to him pretty early. Well, on Eddie Betts, a little bit of news from the club that Corey Durden to take over his number. Thoughts yeah. on that? I think it's I think it's beautiful, to be honest. I love it. I think it it's, is great. It is it's, great. It's high high hopes, high expectations. But I think I think Durden's in, in the brief... Two, two, three games. I think we saw from him last year. I think we we've seen that he's got he's got tools. He's got he's got it in the kit yeah, bag. That's the reason why. He's real good. Uh, favorite last one. Favorite footy memory of your time. Favorite footy memory. I think it's hard to go past it. Sweet. I think the the twenty thirteen round twenty three against Port Adelaide, and then going yeah. to that elimination final. I think that. It was just, it was magical. I, I, I that's the, the, funnily enough, the round 23 game is probably the game that I go back and watch the most, especially the last yeah. quarter. But, yeah, um, the last quarter was yeah. pretty good. And, and then shout out to, to Jack Nunes after the siren. That was, <laughs> that's, that was, people, 
I, you know, I forgot about that game too. Brought it up, honestly. I, just, I think that season ruined it. If we'd lost that, just a weird season. If if we'd kicked so on from that and made finals, I reckon that would be like <laughs> top top ten moments of all time for the club. It, it, I it is probably top like twenty thirty. That was yeah. I, mean, especially, I don't know. If it, especially considering like, how we like, we probably didn't deserve to win it. No, like the, like the last quarter was shocking, and then that was the, that was the best part about it. Yeah, exactly. Just yeah. turn up, snapping it. That was great. All right. Well, on to sort of the main talking point of the podcast. The AFL draft last week obviously went ahead. Carlton had pick twenty-seven. It was the only one they used. They passed their last couple of picks. Uh, for our first pick, we picked up was Jesse Motlop. He uh, originates from Perth, out of the Waffle. Played for South Fremantle. Eight senior games at the back end of the year, average nine touches, three marks, and one goal a game, which is, you know, pretty good for a young kid, especially in the waffle, playing at the senior level. Uh, a couple of positives with Jesse Motlop. Well, firstly, Daniel Motlop, his son. Uh, his versatility with the ball, clean ball, use agility, speed. Obviously, the Motlops have a lot of that, as we've seen over the past couple of years. Negatives that sort of circulated around were his consistency and strength around the contest, which, I mean, I guess all kids around our age sort of lack that going into the senior level. And he was in Fremantle's next-gen academy. So your thoughts? Does he Was it a good good yeah. pickup, basically? I, I loved it. Um, I wasn't too yeah. clued up on, like, the draft and who else we could have picked. Um, that's what other names float around. But my initial thought was, like, Motlop's are game winners. That, yeah. that was where my mind went. So if, if he can turn out anything like his dad or even Stephen, um, oh, like it's going to be exciting, especially especially considering we already have Dirt and Honey Owies, yeah. who are already showing sparks in a position where we've lacked ever ever since Betts left the first time. We've really lacked that small forward that can just change a game. I think if Motlop can, can kick on pretty early into his career, we could have someone special on our hands. So, yeah, I'm pretty happy with that pick. Well, I, I think he sort of slipped a bit later in the draft. I don't think he was meant to go as late as he did, to be quite honest. I think he does fit in, but it does mean uh, it gives a bit of a, a much more competitive look in that small forward yeah. line. It is definitely heating up now. So, I mean, I mean, that's a good thing. Get the most potential out of him. I think people are saying round one, but, you know, I yeah. don't think round but, one is really... No. I don't think so. I reckon he'll probably, considering, you know, Harney, Durden, they sort of work their way through the ranks, I think he might take quite a bit of time. So you never know. Uh, our next one, Dominic Akui. I don't know if that last name is said exactly right. He's a Category B rookie on next year. Came through the Northern Knights in the NAB League. He was in Colton's Next Gen Academy. He's the first pickup from that academy. Uh, he's a student of Sudanese heritage, so he's pretty good for the Blues. Haven't had someone with Sudanese heritage for quite a long time, so I guess it's just including that multiculturalism within the club. He's a defender, tall defender, uh, and a little bit of rucking at times. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I get. Um, I saw. I saw. Um, Mr. Palm from Blue Broad was was really hyping this kid up. Uh, I don't, again, I don't know a lot about him. From what I've seen, yeah. very athletic, very dynamic. Obviously going to be raw, I think, as always. I don't think it'll be a miracle if he plays any games, any senior games this season. I don't think yeah. he will. But um, hopefully with the VFL, 
like a constant VFL uh, season this season. So, um, and like with no interruptions, he can get a good string of games under his belt, really get continuity within the within the team and even within the club. I think that's going to be very important for him and hopefully he can be a, be a shrewd pickup in the years to come. Yeah, no, I mean, it is sort of one of those um, random pickups. Yeah. And I mean, you never know where it can actually go. I guess he's sort of looking... Yeah, you know, you're right, talking about that future, whether he finds a spot in the future. The only thing I sort of, the negative I find out of the NAB League is most of those blokes are playing around, you know, playing with kids the same age. So I don't think the uh, development will be very quick with these yeah. sort of kids. So that's yeah. my only, that's what I like about Motlop in the Waffle. A lot of the interstate pickups I yeah. like a lot more, only purely for that fact that they're actually getting that senior level. <laughs> You know, never know where it will go. On to the next sort of news coming out of the club today. Patrick Cripps' brother, Josh Cripps, and Tyrese Liu as a sup- potential supplemental selection period sign-ins. They're training with the club at the moment. Uh, Josh Cripps, obviously Patrick Cripps's younger brother. He played in the Colts uh, waffle, which for anyone not sure, I don't even know this till today, it's the basically the under-19 version of the waffle uh, just imagine it as an under-19 VFL. Yeah. Uh, he's a tall forward. Uh, I haven't heard... I've heard a lot of good things, but, you know, I think the name definitely helps. I'm not sure if you've yeah. heard a lot of things. What are your uh, thoughts? I, I think, yeah, I, like, I don't haven't seen too much talk coming out of the club and through the media about both players, but I think it's one spot that they're competing for. Is that correct? One spot between them? Yeah, there is one spot. Yeah. They got one spot left. So I think I think that's good. That's going to drive both of them to yeah. really, really kick on, and hopefully, hopefully, whoever gets it, um, and I, I hope there's no nepotism involved with Cripps's brother. I hope yeah. I expect it to be expect the player to be picked on merit. Um, I hope that they can just continue that drive, that um, enthusiasm for wanting to play for the Blues into this season and next once they get picked up. But yeah, it's definitely a fair point. I mean, it seemed talks before the trade, Cripps was heading towards um, the Eagles or the Dockers at yeah. some point, and he, he never got never got picked. Uh, a bit about Tyrese Lou came out of the Eastern Rangers, intercepted defender, a good inside midfielder. Honestly, we, I don't think we can talk about him too much. Yeah, I have no. not heard about him. No. Um, but you never know. I mean, I think, look, if you had to put some money, I'd probably put my money on Cripps solely based off, you know, the name. I think it would be a bit awkward around the club to let him go. Yeah, potentially, but um, yeah, it's it's a dog eat dog world of footy footy business. Yeah, so. It is, it is. Uh, next topic of discussion. Um, the other day, the AFLW fixture came out that is set to commence on the 9th of January against Collingwood. Well, at least for the Blues, uh, this year there are no night games at Princes Park due to the redevelopment. The lights aren't good enough for night games, which may actually promote bigger crowds, honestly, because I think it's not in the yep. most convenient area of that ground. So yep. in terms of it, it might help a lot. They've got five home games and five away games this year. There was an interesting statistic put out by the Carlton Cheer Squad that we have had 20 home games and 26, I think, away games since the, the yep. uh, start of the whole competition. So it's been a bit interesting. Yeah. But, I mean, with 10 games, you can't really split it. Just a quick overview. 
of the teams, Collingwood, Brisbane, Western Bulldogs, North Melbourne, Adelaide, Fremantle, St Kilda, GWS, Gold Coast and Melbourne. I think from memory we're playing uh, the top seven teams this year from last yeah. season. That's so that is quite a tough fixture with a young group. Uh, I, I don't know. I've got I've got a bit of optimism, sort of like a, a bit of a younger group in terms yeah. of like, you know, recent history. At least they've started the the 18s for the for the girls. So I think there's a bit more consistency with the level of football that's coming yeah. up. I don't know. What are your thoughts in terms uh, of this year? Just yeah, I, th- I think it's very typical of the AFL to to have come getting the worst ratio of home and away games throughout the season, without the seasons even. Um, but yeah, I think after the relatively disappointing and underwhelming season last year, um, obviously it was unlucky. We lost a, a fair few games by within a kick. Yeah. Um, hopefully we can find that. I know I granted a younger list, a lot of um, big name exits, but with Darcy Vesio playing the footy that she is, Hopefully we can find that form that potentially should have won us the flag in 2020 before the season got got shut down. So, yeah. Yeah. so yeah, hopefully, well. hopefully this young list can can find something and, and really kick on because it's going to be exciting. Hopefully the girls can, can do something the boys can't for once. Yeah, well, it will hopefully a lot of people can get down. Uh, there will be a few, uh, full AFLW preview coming to the channel before round one. So stick, uh, stay around for that later on in the new year. Uh, sort of moving on to the AFL fixture, obviously round one was released uh, the other day. Uh, when this is released, the full fixture is most likely to have been released. Uh, Richmond at home, nothing special. Sort of my question to you, like, what do you expect in terms of the fixture? You, like, usually we do get screwed over at for little bits of time, but I think this year... You can't really make those excuses anymore. And what I've heard is Melbourne round two. So what love would it. you think of that? Love it. Love it. Oh, you got yeah. to be the best, you've got to beat the best. That is true. That is true. We haven't beaten the I best mean, my, for a while. So. I mean, my thing with it is that until you beat Richmond, you're not. they're not going anywhere. Like, yeah. no matter what the margin be, whether it be two points or 50 points, I just don't – like, mentally, it would absolutely just – Drain them straight away. It's the, so, that yeah, I mean, yeah that that game is a measure, measuring stick. We haven't beaten them in that game since 2012. So yeah. that for it's like a monkey on our backs. We like I've always said the year that we beat Richmond round one is the yeah. year that we yeah. can finally say all right we've progressed because it will turn around. Yeah, yeah. it's I think it's that I think it's one of those games where like I know I know it's there's obviously the Wednesday night game beforehand, which I think is ridiculous, but but anyway. Um, yeah. So it's, granted, it's not the first game of the season, but it's still probably the blockbuster game. Um, I know Richmond yeah. aren't the team that they were. They obviously didn't make finals last year, but they're still going to be hungry. They're still going to be roaring. And if we, if we knock them off, I think, as a fan base, we can turn around and say, "Yep, yeah, we, we've made significant progress in this off-season and hopefully that kicks on the season for, for bigger and better things. Yep, kind of. You couldn't have said it better, honestly. It's, it's, it's actually so straightforward and sadly it just has not. I mean, I know they've been like the powerhouse and it's obviously hard to beat them with the team we've had, but even last year, I think 
they 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 could have they could have they could have done it could have been yeah. a completely different season. In terms of uh, like expectations benchmarks, obviously we got to halfway this year, and you know what happened. Everyone knows what happened halfway. What are your expectations? I mean, do you set benchmarks and say, okay, look, by round six, I want to be three and three. I want to be four and two. Um, I think you have to. I think you have to an extent because obviously footy is a, is a wins. It's a results-based business. Yeah. So, and, and now we're in a position in the rebuild where wins and losses matter. Like we yeah. can't, we can't afford to be one and five or two and four, but say, oh, we're playing good footy. Like that's not good enough anymore. We need wins. Yeah. And for, for, for like a, reasonable expectation we need to i think we need to maintain a positive ratio for wins and losses from about round six or five i think yeah. i think if we, if we can just stay in that positive i'm not saying like let's go 15 and four yeah. or whatever and like let's win 16 games this season but if we can maintain that positive ratio and not not get hit with two three four losses in a row I think that that not only shows a better um, ability of the list, but it just shows maturity that when yeah. the chips are down, if say we lose two in a row, that they can find their heads, they can rebound, and they can win that third game to cut that streak off dead. So I think I think wins and losses are a big part of the like of evaluating a team's performance. So I think it's fair to set. Like reasonable benchmarks uh, at certain points throughout the season. Yeah, well, I mean, I sort of look. I, you know, I, I can see it two ways as well. Because even if you go to the prem in England and it's like win your home games, yeah. you turn up every week, you have a home game, you win your home games. I know it's a bit different when a lot of the same teams play at the same ground, but something as simple as that to have an ex- expectation. And then even if you did that, and um, you know, you, you end up eleven eleven, and you still have a good chance. Yeah. I think something as simple as that, but I think by that midway by, I reckon as if they're not if they're not at a point five, you know, yeah. I think there'll be a bit, a bit of concern, you know, a bit of concerns running around the club. Yeah, it's, it's it's hard to say. I mean, what are you expecting round one from a Voss side? Because I'm not, you know, like I can't figure it out at this point. I'm not sure I, what I'm looking to expect. I, I just want to say hunger. I just want to. Yeah. I just want to go. I just want to go to the game and see twenty-two blokes die f- for four points. Like I just because yeah. in the old, obviously not literally, but, <laughs> not literally, but I, I want to see that head over the head over the ball going back into contests. I want to see that hunger to win because we've yeah. been a we've been very flaky over the past decade, really. Like we've been an easy yeah. pushover, so. Teams come up against Carlton and think, yeah, we're going to win. Like, yeah. it's an easy win type of thing. Regardless of how good we, we have been or how poor we've been, that's always a mentality. We need to turn that into, oh, God, we're versing Carlton. They're going to bring it every single week, regardless of injuries, suspensions, poor form. They're going to bring it. That's what yeah. I want to say. I just want to say hunger, like, from the very first bounce. In terms of uh, game you're most looking forward to coming into the off-season? Any Collingwood game. Collingwood game. Any yeah. Collingwood game. Um, um, 
Oh, I want to win this so bad. It's oh, just... I'm, I'm, I'm fearful of a round two repeat. Like really I don't. I don't. Think, I don't think it's gonna. I, I hope not. I, I can't see a world where they do that again. I don't think so. But I, I think. Geez. I think. The the second game we versed, we played against them last year was good. It was yeah. obviously a fantastic game, especially the, the second half. But no fans being there didn't just it didn't, it. it didn't sit the same. Yeah. So I think with a full MCG, if we can replicate that. Then that'll be special. Well, look, can only hope. Can only hope. But um, no, I, I just I I don't know about you, but I can't go into games anymore. I mean, I, I sort of lost it like years ago when that just that losing like it's ingrained yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, it's. I really can never go into a game thinking we're going to win anymore. It's like, it's that. It's that. Yeah, it's that thing in the back of your mind that's just yeah. dreading going every single week. But yeah. and you get brainwashed. Like whenever we do yeah. win, you think we're back. Yeah, but then you it's, go, it's, yeah. you go the yeah. next week and we get pumped by ten goals. It's, it's like, oh, that's awful. All right. Well, uh, sort of next topic of discussion. Obviously, we are very close, similar in age. Uh, we've sort of experienced the game in a, 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 a very different way to a lot of other people have. Obviously, we've grown up basically in that social media age, where you know people get influenced by it every single day. And now, we're, you know, now the younger generation is coming in where we have quite a young side. I just want to hear your perspective in terms of we've got quite a young group. How does that group gel together on a day-to-day basis, especially with the pressure they've had on the off-season, especially the pressure, well, last season, basically? How, do, how does that group deal with it? Do they do they have this new bond that you think is, a, uh, you know, a lot different to m- much of the older teams where you look at now your Richmond's, well, yes, they've sort of grown up together, won those premierships, but this group hasn't won a premiership. They've grown up, they've come through the ranks to be where they are. Do they have this different type of bond? I think, I think, I, I think the bond starts from like the culture around the club, and I think if there's a positive culture around the club, then the players will gel, and you can already tell through little bits that they release. There's a, there's friendships there, you, and they're very tight friendships by the looks of things, and that's probably the most important thing because if I'm playing with my mate, I don't want to see my mate lose. I don't want to see my yeah. friend go down. I'm going to fight for him, and I you expect him to fight for you. Yeah. So to have that, and also because they're all similar ages, they're all going. They all have the same mentality or very similar yeah. mentality in terms of backlash from media or like getting dropped how do you deal with that so like if fisher gets dropped he can go to like a paddy dow or like a yeah. adam chera and say hey how did you deal with this or something like something like that or if knock on wood it doesn't happen but if someone gets a big injury you can you can turn to your mate and say hey like can you help me that bond yeah. will drive the play like it will help them a lot because of how tight they are or the how tight they seem anyway um, and I think now, especially because of the, like, Betts, Murphy, Casbolt, Jones all leaving, yeah, I think the younger players are going to have to mature very quickly. Like, you're going to have to see yeah. players like Dow, Fisher, um, even Mackay really, like, play, like uh, play years above their age in terms of the way they conduct themselves. 
Well, I mean, in terms of that older age, and that's where I like, even even the board, we've got quite an older board, but that's what you'd expect at most footy clubs. And that's where I think, is there a bit of, you know, discrepancy between what the board has in mind and what the playing group has in mind? Because obviously, as much as they are adapting to that social media, like influence, connectedness, do you think they really relate with most of these players? I think it's a good question. I don't, I think, from what I've seen with Brian Cook, I feel like he's very. I'll just speak on Brian Cook quickly. From what I've seen in the media, oh, like what I've seen coming yeah. out of the club, he seems like a very socially aware person. So he he understands the trends in terms of social media and how players react. And I I think that he would that will stem down to Voss and the coaching staff and the rest of the board because if he's at the top and he's showing that adaptability in terms of moving with the times, then it will, it will transcend down. And I think Voss being a relatively young coach, like he only retired how many years ago, right? Yeah. I think that helped a hell of a lot in terms yes. of yeah. connect, connecting to the players. Because yes. I, th- I think we've learned with getting someone like Malthouse with a list that, no, sorry, I won't touch on him, I won't touch on him <laughs> too, too big. But with the list that he had, he, you can tell he didn't connect. And players have come yeah. out and said he, he did not know how to manage. Yeah, he might have been good tactically, sure. I mean, if you think that, then whatever, right? But you can tell that he did not know how to manage his players at all on a personal level. And I think, nah, I yeah, I think Brian Cook has shown that he can use his social skills and breed that into the rest of the board and into the coaching staff, which will help the players. On a different level, captaincy, sort of, my theory on this is that a defender should get it, no matter the sporting code, really, because they're always seen in the field and basically everything compared to a Crips where, like, I'm sure he's a good leader. I'm sure he's got the assets to withhold that role. But at the end of the day, he's a guy that's always in the contest, always, he's, he's, he's looking for that ball. Because yeah. you got someone like a Weeders who's constantly surveying the whole, the whole ground. Yeah. What's your opinion on that? Well, and co-captains or a captain? Uh, a captain, yeah. if I had to pick. Um, I think, I think, yeah, I agree by and large when a defender should get it. I think if you look at the best captains over the years, they're more often than not defenders or players who play yeah. behind the ball. Yeah. Um. And I like I, I love Cripps, and I think he's I think he'll kick on this season. But I just don't think he's captain material. Like, yeah. it's hard to say because obviously I'm not I'm not I'm not in the change rooms before and after yeah. games. I'm not like I don't know. But someone like a Weeders who I feel like Cripps has lost his commanding presence over the last two years when Weeders plays. And you just watch him. You can he dem- he commands that back line. He com- he dominates every forward pretty much. He only got beaten like yeah. once last season, and he just has this strut and this aura, which is like I am a captain. I am a leader. You you listen to me, and we're going to go places type of thing. Um, I, but the Carlton captaincy it just has this curse on it, which I'm reluctant yeah. to give it to waiters. But I feel like. I feel like he might be able to break that because I, 
I think it it's kind of it's kind of like a thing of Cripps got the captaincy and his form just started to decline a little bit. Yeah. And then obviously Doc has I mean that poor guy's like let's like it's really unfortunate what's happened to him, so we can't really judge him yeah. too much on that. And when he played last season and this season, yeah, yeah, he obviously he wasn't his all Australian form but he was still very good you can tell that he like he did crucial things in big moments as a leader so um i think yeah i think one captain and jacob waitering should be the heir to the throne of whoever or whenever yeah that decides to hand the captaincy down yeah well i mean i guess with the, the whole you know read the transformation of the club i i, I think like Cripps is a bit fatigued in that role. I mean, he yeah. went through that captaincy role in that period where we were getting absolutely slammed, no, like on and off yeah. field. So, I think that would actually benefit a yeah. change. I, th- I um, think if if you lift the workload off Cripps, he w- because the one thing that we always say about Cripps is that he tries to do too much. Yeah. If you g- relieve him of the captaincy, give him help in the midfield, which we have done that he can focus on being that contested pressure beast that we saw in 2018-2017. And then that, in turn, helps the likes of Walsh, Chera, Williams, Dow, who can then bounce off that and use that energy that he cultivates to kick on their games. A little little bit of a different one in terms of, I talked about this with Terry last week around sort of how success is perceived around this club more than football nature but obviously uh you're like me we're both into you know the round ball game how do you think like do you reckon these blokes in the afl look towards these different sporting codes i'd assume you know nba is probably a big one as well yep. do you take do you reckon there's quite a lot of similarities with success how you can transfer that from one code to another i think yeah because it's all sport and it's all competitive. So yeah. I think you can. I don't necessarily think it's as like you can take the formula from soccer and put it into footy or basketball and put it into footy. But I, I think they will look at, like, say for basketball, you look at the likes of LeBron James and Kevin Durant, who are these like serial winners, right? Yeah. And, and even like Kobe Bryant, who are serial winners. And you look at what they stand for, their principles and their motivations and drives for success. And then you can you can take that and bring it to our game because it's a formula on a base level that works. And even on a team level, coaching staff and like the board can look to other serial winners in the in higher up positions of clubs from other sports and take that and learn from it and build from it and adjust it to our game. So I think, yeah, I think it's a, yeah, you can take the the base formula from other sports as a, for success and bring it to ours, yeah. I mean, in terms of that success, obviously, I mean, with that younger group, we don't have a lot of it anymore in terms of experienced, successful players. Does that become a problem after all? Obviously, last year you sort of saw, like, once the older guys lose their call, cool, they, you know, tra- like 
I was saying structurally they fall apart. The younger guys have no clue. Now you're actually now we're losing some of those older guys. Yeah. Will that become a problem at some points? Yeah. You? Yeah, well, I think, and fans are gonna have to expect that. Yeah. I think I think that, and it's gonna suck. But our our best is gonna be te- is gonna be better. Our worst yeah. is also gonna be better in terms of we won't lose by like we won't lose. We won't get smashed by North and Gold Coast and this type of thing. Yeah. But those drastic changes in performance week on week will happen. I don't I don't think it should happen to the extent where we lose to Gold Coast, smash St Kilda, and then lose to North or whatever. Yeah. Like I don't think it should have I don't think it will happen like that. But there will be times where one week we beat a team by ten goals and then the next week we lose. Because our list is it's gotten younger. Like yeah. we we have gotten further into our rebuild, we're pretty much at the end of our rebuild, and our list has gotten younger and less experienced. Yeah. So naturally, that naivety will creep in. There will be a little bit of complacency. I hope it's not that profound, but there will be. Yeah. It's just the nature of the beast. There will be that level of invincibility, especially if we do get on a two, three, four game winning streak. Which will get humbled. Like we we, we will yeah. get humbled at various stages throughout the season. And I think we have to, as I think the players and as fans, we have to take it on the chin and realize, yes, we're seven years or whatever into the rebuild, but we've lost three. We've we have one player over thirty in our list. Is this a one? Is there yeah. only one now? Ed, Ed Kerno. Oh, really? That's yeah. That's, so it's yeah. like, and like what we have like Crips. Doc, who I don't expect, like, a, there's no expectation of him. Yeah. Um, I can't even think, like, what, Nick Newman's of, of like, a prime age, like 27? Yeah. We only have a handful of players who are in that 25 to 28 bracket. The rest yeah. are 24, 23, 22. So it's like, you can't expect this mentality monster team who will just go out and win and play at the same level every single week. You can't expect that. Yeah. And it's going to suck, but it's going to happen. Yeah. In terms of players, who takes the next step for you next season? On So on the Blue or Broad show, I said that Mitch McGovern will make the All-Australian team or will make the All-Australian oh, 40 as defender. I, I'll, I'll give you another one. I, I reckon... See, I... I Lockie Plowman, right? Yeah. I re- I like him as a player. Mm. I think, yes, he has brain fades, and yes, he can do dumb things. But I think as a sh- small defender who can play tall, I think he's serviceable. Yeah. I think this season he will become a not, a, not an Australian by any means, but he will become a good starting 22 defender who fans will turn around and think, yeah, all right, we were wrong about him. He's a very, he's a good defender, and he he will beat the likes of Liam Ryan and all these gun small forwards. He will beat them in like their one-on-one contest. Well, you know, I think with Lockie Plowman, this is I think there's two sides of football. There's your football smarts and your football skills. I think where people fall down with Plowman is the skill side. Sometimes with those brain fades, which I reckon if he, you touch them up and he he's yeah. he's got the, he's got the smarts. It's coachable. And yeah, and that's why I, I could live with him having one or two average games because he does have it in him. Yeah. It's 
of course, I mean, of course it's going to cop it if he's got a couple of fades. But, I, yeah, and I agree with what you're saying there. Um, in terms of Dow and O'Brien, these are the two that obviously got drafted quite high. Do you reckon last year for results or and then move on? Yeah, I, th- I think O'Brien, it's his last year. And I, I, I genuinely think O'Brien has a last six months. I think I, I think yeah. if he doesn't crack into I don't think he'll start round one, but if he doesn't at least push if he's not best on in the VFL for a good portion of his time there, and if he doesn't crack into the side, I think the writing's on the wall. Yeah. I think Dow, yes, but to a lesser extent because he showed last year that he's he has good footy in him. Like he showed his explosiveness, his um, like instinctive nature around the contest is still very good, so I think he's a he has a higher. I don't know how to word this, but he is more likely to succeed and he's more likely to stay on than O'Brien. Yeah. But I I really hope Lockie O'Brien stays on and I hope he kicks on this season because he's he's one of the very few players delivering the ball inside fifty who I think yeah, yeah. will hit a chest nine times out of ten. Yeah, that is true. Uh, so the last bit, uh, the new who they brought in, Chera, Hewitt, all good, all happy with that. All happy. Lewis Young, it's your time. I think, oh, yeah, Lewis, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah I, I think he's the one. I, th- I think I reckon they'll do too. I reckon Mitch McGovern and Lewis Young will play a lot more time in the in defensively this season, especially because yeah. Kayla Marchbank, unknown time on his return, you'd think. Um, and, and Lockie Plowman can't really play tall. So you'd yeah. think, and you'd think that the versatility of McGovern to go forward as well yeah. will. Especially, so if they if they make him a defender, he, having him like having the ability for him to go forward is a big plus, and I think Lewis Lewis Young is the natural replacement for Liam Jones. Yeah. So I think I think yeah, um, Hewitt and Chara. I think Hewitt will be the the lucky Fogarty of of this season. I think he will be the yeah. not like the unsung pickup who just does his job week in, week out. I think he's the exact player we needed. That defensive, yep. no-nonsense, head-over-the-pill contested midfielder. And I think yep. Chera is the Rolls-Royce who, when he when he's on, it's something special. So hopefully he can deliver more often than not. And lastly, next season ahead, uh, your expectation, and I want one big call on the, the team itself. One big call. Okay, I think our, our expectation is finals. Yeah. I, I, and and if not finals, we ha- like if we miss out on finals, it has to be on percentage or by a game or by yep. like two points or whatever. One big call. I reckon the Carlton. Yeah. All right. The Carlton Football Club will not lose a game to Richmond, Essendon, or Collingwood this season. Yeah, it's big one. It's big one. Oh, I, could... I, I hope that's right. <laughs> I'll put my neck on the line, but that would most likely, yeah, be about five or six games, assuming oh, yeah. they play at least. Yeah. Never know. Never know. But that is a pretty big call. <laughs> Very big call. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. It's been a great chat. 
hope to hope everyone's enjoyed uh will be one more episode next week with another special guest and then a bit of a break until the new year where we'll preview the aplw until then have a great holiday season and go the blues go the blues